actually in hospital <laughs> because my appendix had ruptured the day before. <laughs> wow. So I was about to have surgery on our That's launch a launch day. event. <laughs> so that's just between you and me and anybody who happens to be listening. <laughs> actually, just really simply, it is just building a relationship. On today's episode of The Engaging Marketeer, I am speaking with podcast host, business coach, sales trainer, and all-round business supremo, Susie Hunt. Uh, Susie came from a corporate background, but realized she didn't want to progress up the corporate ladder any further because she didn't enjoy the experience. She wanted to go out there and help people, people like me, people like you, in their business and growing and scaling their businesses. So I'm going to be asking Susie uh, lots of questions about her podcast, how she markets her podcast, how she finds guests for her podcast, what tips she's got for other businesses in starting podcasts, and in, of course, in growing and scaling their businesses. You run your own podcast as well, don't you? I do, You yes. do, and you've been doing that for some time now because you do it in a season uh, layout, don't you? We do, yeah. So, um, yeah, I co-host the coaching cast with my very good friend and fellow coach, Lisa. Um, the coaching cast was born out of the pandemic. So um, I was actually on maternity leave during um, the pandemic mm-hmm. and all the lockdowns that came with it. <laughs> and I was pounding the streets with a pram um, <laughs> and had a newborn baby And I suppose my ideal of what my maternity leave was going to look like was very suddenly very different to what I'd expected. Um, And previously to that, I'd um, gone back to university. So when I was um, 34, I decided to go back to uni. I was working full time. I was working in London. I live in Manchester. What made you want to go back to, to uni at 34? I know, like... It's a bit crazy now I reflect back on it. So basically, I was in a job um, in a corporate um, corporate job, which I'd really enjoyed, but I and I'd worked really hard in and I'd grown my career and progressed my career in. But I was in a role now where I didn't want to go to the next level. And actually, I knew I wouldn't enjoy what that next leveled job or level of responsibility looked like. All right. But I enjoyed certain aspects of that role, which was um, developing people, helping them with their capability, helping them enjoy what they came to work to do. Because if we enjoy what we do, we're better at it, we're more engaged, we're more motivated and things. And I loved supporting people with that and seeing that switch for them personally when they Mm. suddenly had investment and support and collaboration. And I actually, um, it's honestly, it's so weird how like the power of the universe kind of comes together sometimes. But I was actually on a training course as part of my job about people development. And the person who was running it um, was a coach. And in the break, they came over to me and said, Susie, I can tell you're really like into this kind of theme around developing people, helping them with their skills, their motivation, their mindset. Have you ever thought about becoming a coach? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't even know what a coach was at that point. Like I thought he was referring to kind of like Gareth Southgate football type coach. Like I had no idea what that was. And no waistcoats either. Presumably. And no waistcoats. Yeah. 
Um, and basically it, it spiked a curiosity for me and an interest. And I knew that I was kind of reaching a ceiling, which I'd put in for myself because I just knew I didn't want to go and progress to that next level of what that looked like within that organization because I wouldn't enjoy it. And I was like, oh, I can have a look at this coaching thing. And basically it went from there. And I decided to go back to university and get a qualification in coaching and mentoring. I was working full time. I was commuting to London where I worked in my job, lived in Manchester. And then I found out I was having a baby. <laughs> so well, you may I as well had, do it all at once. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Like threw it all in. And I reflect back now and I'm like, wow, that was slightly crazy. But actually it kind of was meant to be. So going back to your original question around the podcast, I was kind of pounding those streets as many of us were in, in those lockdowns in the early days of having my first child, a newborn. And I was still wanting to kind of dip my toe into the world of work, um, still learning and developing because I love learning and, and developing my skill set. I'd recently just qualified in my coaching, um, but I needed something that was a podcast which I could listen to on on when I was out walking about, but that was straightforward, conversational, engaging. Because I was tired. I was a, <laughs> I was a new mum, <laughs> um, and I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it, and so I decided, do you know what? Let's make one. Let's start one, and that's how the coaching cast was born. Uh, me and Lisa, I knew it's. I knew straight away that I wanted to do it with Lisa, and mm. um, yeah, we haven't looked back since. So we're we're currently scoping season eight, um, wow. and it's great fun more than anything. And we love chatting and debating and talking about different topics, interviewing guests and things. So mm. yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, what, what, when you said you, you were in the corporate environment, but you didn't want to get promoted because you said you, you wouldn't enjoy it. What made you so sure you didn't want that anymore? I think I was, I always have been quite aware of what my strengths are. And maybe also the things that I just didn't enjoy as much because I did loads of different jobs up until my, my last kind of quite senior role. And I knew the elements of those that I enjoyed, the elements I didn't. And I knew that that next job or that next role would tap into more of the elements that I didn't enjoy as much and that didn't give me energy, essentially. And if I was going to be commuting to London every week, away from my family, away from routine and, you know, spending a lot of time on the M6 toll, <laughs> it had to be for a job and a role that I knew would give me something back in the sense of fulfillment, passion, energy. And I and I just knew in my gut that I didn't want that. I, what I'd seen of that, I didn't mm. actually particularly get drawn to it. And that that was, you know, not going to be my next step within that organization, which now I reflect back on it, I think that is quite a brave thing to be quite open about because I was actually quite open about that with those yeah. that I worked with, was that I've got this skill set that I'm also developing over here. Like, so I'm going back to uni, I'm training in a different area. I've got this skill set, which I'm learning and defining for myself, which, you know, I'd love to bring back in and use and utilize. Um, but it's perhaps just not quite in the shape or in the form that, you know, 
is more traditional in the sense of that kind of career path that I had taken up until that point. Mm. Yeah, you make stuff like that known in a corporate environment and they kind of signal you out as somebody that really they want to be looking to cut loose because you're not you're not the a company person that's going to go on that journey with them. So yeah, it's quite a quite an outspoken and brave thing to do. Yeah, I think so, but I also tried to do it in a really collaborative manner and you know, there was I had a lot of respect and I do you know what? I wouldn't be here now if I hadn't of had those early days and those roles that I did and I spent a lot of time in that corporate world and I learn a lot of things which I still use now in Mm. my life with my own business with the podcast and so I'm actually very thankful and very grateful for that and I try to do it in just an adult to adult way of of being kind of like look I want to use these skills with you and and in fairness I absolutely did I did use them I had opportunities to utilize them um but it was all kind of leading me to a path where I think I just knew deep down it goes back to the old gut feel (laughs) Mm. you know sometimes we dismiss it but it's actually very powerful if you can follow it and listen to it and I don't all the time but I do try and listen to where my gut's kind of what my gut's telling me and and direct in that way and and I knew that yeah there was kind of gonna this was gonna gonna kind of come to a point and I think the pandemic hitting having a baby um and having that shiny new qualification with all that corporate experience it all just kind of came together for me and I was like do you know what it's now or never Mm. and with your podcast I've I've had a look at that and one of the episodes struck me as uh, I don't know whether this was influenced by something you've had in the past or or, or whether it was something that Lisa had in the past, but it was about toxic bosses. Mm. What what inspired that as a subject for a, a podcast? Yeah, so we um, have done quite a lot of research with our kind of community and audience of listeners who we fondly nicknamed the CBBs, <laughs> which stands for Corporate Bullshit Bashers. Like um, it. <laughs> where we just kind of call out all the nonsense that exists a lot of the time within the workplace and all the acronyms and all the buzzwords and all of the kind of statements that nobody really truly understands but all the blue just, sky thinking yeah you know mm. all the circling background the yeah. ecosystem put a pin in that and yeah, yeah. absolutely bit of blame storming <laughs> um and do you know what we we so we put a poll out actually and we said look we're we're going into planning the next season. Like, what topics would you like us to talk about and help you with? Um, and it came back as one of our most popular topics to talk oh. about, which was how do I deal with um, a toxic boss or a toxic workplace? Um, and I think it was uh, an episode where Lisa and I both shared our d- differing experiences because we've got different backgrounds, but different experiences of that and our and our stories and our and our top tips of and that's really what our podcast is all about is about offering top tips um some resources through our self-coaching questions to just really kind of help our listeners think about you know some food for thought about how they can help themselves get you know move forward in situations related to work so that's how it came about and um it's yeah it's a an incredibly tough situation and and 
environment to find yourself in where often you can't think mm. about what the right solution is for you right now because yeah. it's horrible it's really horrible yeah because you can feel trapped can't you 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 don't want to lose your livelihood but you don't want to end up doing the same thing over and over again every day and just feeling emotionally worse and worse and dreading yeah. actually going in because that just isn't isn't healthy yeah absolutely um, so yeah, it's all about helping people thrive at work, whatever that thrive looks like, because mm. everybody's in different situations, to your point, everybody's in different life stages, people want different things out of their work, out of their career, and that's totally cool. Um, but the the coaching cast is really about being a resource for people to tap into when they need it and take out from it through our stories, through our own experiences, through our top tips that we offer, things that might work for them to just give it a go and and see how it works for them. Hmm. And was there a, a commercial reason for starting the podcast as well? Or was it just because you enjoy doing it? So the business savvy side of me should say that absolutely was a commercial reason. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there wasn't. <laughs> no. So, you know, the coaching cast was born out of my experience of not being able to find what I was looking for, you know, hmm. on those lockdown days of pounding that pavement with the pram and also Lisa and I's passion that we you know we both qualify coaches and that we wanted to create something to help support people and when it first came out at the time it was about supporting people working from home because that was obviously so new for everybody mm. it's not so much now it's evolved and you know and, and changed so the podcast has evolved and changed alongside it um, it was purely about actually we want to you know discuss some some hot topics right now, offer our experiences, stories, um, ideas, and thoughts to help people with moving forward. Because do you know what? There's so much going on right now. Back in you know 2020, 2021, where there was you know so much going on for people that they probably just didn't have the headspace to think about what they needed to do to you know work from home successfully or to create a great relationship with their new line manager on Zoom, for example. So mm. we were like, we'll try and plug that gap, fill that void. Um, so it was purely out of a, I suppose, passion to give us some purpose in, at that time of uncertainty as well, um, and to really provide um, a bit of a hub bit of, and start to build a community around it. Mm. Yeah, community is a big thing, isn't it? I mean... It, you can be cynical about it and, and say that, you know, for business, community is important, but it genuinely is. The more you've got people that that see you as the expert, that come to you and listen to you all the time, when they do need help, what you provide, obviously it's you they're going to come to because you've been helping them all along anyway for free. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... It's a privilege, actually, I'd say. You know, I know podcast, you know, a lot of people have podcasts now. Um, and you know, a lot of them are started for commercial reasons and you know, to support businesses, which I totally get. Um, but actually, I kind of always go into it when we record an episode either with Lisa or with guests. I actually find it a privilege to be able to interview people, which I never would have. Um, have the opportunity to probably speak to and talk to and learn about their experiences, their stories, their life. Um, I've met some fascinating people, heard some fascinating stories, 
through having that privilege and that opportunity to podcast um so regardless around like how it grows and you know and get, and becomes a business um actually that in itself for me is pretty powerful mm. and there's a, there's a lot of people i speak to who are considering starting podcasts for themselves mm. but the the biggest the biggest reason I hear that people don't is because they worry that they're not worthy of a podcast mm. and they don't think they've got something to say and they don't know why anybody would actually listen to them. They're always wrong. They're always brilliant people mm. that should absolutely be doing podcasts. But did you have any of those fears yourself when you started? And, and I imagine you probably did because a lot of people do. How did you get over that? Yeah, of course. Like, I think stepping out and putting those first kind of couple of episodes out. So we released in season one, which feels like a lifetime ago now, <laughs> we released three. So we kind of, um, you know, recorded three and they were those three all went out on the same day. Um, and that moment where they were published is actually an interesting time in my life because the the, the day the podcast launched, I was actually in hospital <laughs> because my appendix had ruptured the day before. Wow. So I was about to have surgery on our that's launch, a launch event. <laughs> so that's one hell of a launch event. Exactly. Exactly. So I think actually for me, I was a bit like, oh my God, we're launching it. But my mind was in a slightly different place. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't have a huge amount of time to dwell upon like the reaction, the impact of, you know, what people thought. Was anybody going to listen? Was anybody going to want to hear what we had to say? And we created a podcast that was engaging and that, you know, fulfilled a need. And I still have those doubts now, like even though we're kind of, yeah, nearly into, in, into uh, season eight, I still have those doubts now. Even now. Because, yeah, because I think, you know, it's my passion and my purpose is fueled by wanting to help people and provide mm. that resource as much as we can for people to thrive at work. So sometimes I'm like, should we have spoken about that topic? It, you know, or should it have been this topic over here? I still have elements of self-doubt. Of course I do. Like that's normal. Um, but I think going back to your original question, the bit that really helped me actually was the fact that I wasn't doing it on my own was that, you know, when we sit down and record, and I don't know if you find this when, you know, you're um, interviewing with guests, but I'm obviously recording with Lisa and we do it on, you know, online. And actually I'm just talking to my friend about mm. topics we're both really interested in. I often forget that we're actually recording and putting this out sometimes. <laughs> and... I think that's what really helped me actually get over that because I wonder if it was just me and it was just me, myself and I and what I thought, where, would I have overcome that threshold, that hurdle to actually get it out there? I think that's where mm. we work really well as a team. No, that, that's a really good point, I think, actually, because um, if you're doing this on your own, because uh, I, I do solo podcasts as well, and it's not easy because it's just you, your own voice, and the thoughts in your head. Yeah. And while you're talking, you don't know if what you're saying is making any sense or whether it's just you completely rambling. But I, I know a few people that do podcasts in duos or in trios, and it it seems so much more, I don't want to say it's easy, it, it's much more comfortable and much more natural to do, because you're, you're having yeah. a conversation with people you know and you like and you trust them, yeah, rather than trying to 
be entertaining all on on your own. Absolutely. And I think just to touch upon that, like if anyone's thinking about setting up a podcast, maybe with somebody else, you can't fake the kind of energy that you have, the chemistry that you have between each other. And we've Mm. had feedback from our listeners that actually you can tell there's a chemistry, there's an energy there between us. Like we were and still are really good friends. Um, we also work together, but we were, we are the basis of our relationship is actually friendship. And, you know, that comes through, I think, in a lot of our episodes, because we are very real, we're very authentic, we are very conversational, because going back again to those days where I was pounding the, the pavement, that's what I was looking for. So, you know, that definitely comes through. And I think, making sure you have that connection with somebody who you want to collaborate with on a podcast mm. outside of the podcast is really important because otherwise your listeners will be able to tell that it doesn't gel or that, mm. you know, it, it's not quite flowing. No, that's great advice actually. Cause um, even when TV shows and radios are, are putting yeah. presenters together, they'll screen test them or, or air test them to see if they have, I can hear an ice cream van. They'll screen test them. I don't know if that's my end or your end, but there's an I ice cream I don't think it's my end, but we'll thank, see. Thank you for that. There's an ice cream van, but that's okay. We'll work around it. Um, they'll put people together to see whether they actually have chemistry together because yeah. you, you could have somebody who's a great presenter, but they just may not click with yeah. someone else, and the chemistry is important, You know, which is why Ant and Deck have been going forever because they are, love them or hate them, they are best mates. Yeah, exactly. And that's important. And I've interviewed a lot of people on here, and some occasionally I do interview people I've known for 20, 30-odd years, and you just slip into those those conversations that you have without even having to think about it. And it just is more natural than yeah. talking to somebody you've never met before, which Absolutely. is difficult. It's difficult. <laughs> it is. And I think sometimes, like, going back to that point before, like, I forget, like, I honestly forget. So we tell stories about what's perhaps happened in our week or in our lives. And I just, you know, I'm just chatting to my mate. So I sometimes mm. generally forget. And then the people will say things to me. Um, so I had a call with a kind of prospective client, coaching client. And they were like, oh, Susie, how's your back? And I was like, mm-hmm. how do they know I don't have my back? I was like, how do they know I don't have my back? But, oh, I, I heard, I was listening to the podcast and I heard you talking about it. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I forget that I kind of mention these things. These things go out into the big wide world. People listen to them and then they kind of bring them into, you know, the conversation with me. And a lot of the time when I meet people as well, they say, like, I feel like I already know you. And I'm like, oh, as a podcaster, that actually makes me really happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And as a businesswoman that should make you really happy as well yeah absolutely. because if you're meeting potential clients for the first time you're seeing them and they feel like they already know you most of the work is done mm-hmm. you don't then have to try and convince them that you're good at what you do or that they're going to like you they already do yeah. and the podcast has done again to be a bit cynical has done a lot of the selling already yeah. a lot of the relationship building already which is another reason why podcast is a fantastic thing as a business tool whether you intend it as that initially or not definitely you know people buy people don't they they do and especially in a service-based you know business which um 
we're in you know that's absolutely what people are looking for and and where they get where they build trust with you where they think Mm -hmm. can I trust this person or can I relate to this person um can I have a relationship with this person in the sense of especially for me when I'm coaching you know that relationship is even more important because it's people are coming and telling me normally when they've reached their kind of biggest crisis point at work or in their career and they need some help that's why they're coming because they need some help so they've got Mm. to be able to think can I talk to this person and tell them the reality of what truly is going on for me right now with with work or job or career um so I think you know you're spot on there in terms of Mm. the the opportunity it provides to demonstrate you as a person which people will um buy into you know mm. if you're real and authentic which we absolutely are at the coaching <laughs> cast sometimes too real and authentic um <laughs> you know that's one of our key key mantras <laughs> mm. that's that's a good, a good point again it's probably more relevant for you than it is for me because as a coach people do have to open up to you they do have to tell you things that they perhaps wouldn't want to tell a stranger or would feel uncomfortable telling somebody they didn't necessarily like or didn't know very well. Whereas, see, we're just digital marketing. People don't have to tell us their deepest, darkest, hidden secrets and their greatest fears. Mm-hmm. They can if they want to. You know, we're all ears. But typically they don't. Uh, but in your case, they do. So for a, for a coach, a podcast gets all that out of the way yeah. before you even meet them for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and you can, in my kind of area as well, you know, you can use it as a resource, um, you can direct people if you've touched upon a certain topic and you know you've got an, an episode about it, it brings it as an additional resource. Um, and yeah, I think as well, it brings a level of credibility to yeah. what you do as well. Yeah. When, when you're having a conversation with somebody and you can say, oh, well, I've I recorded a podcast episode on this. Here's the link. It really does add the credibility. Like, <laughs> wow, you really do know what you're talking about. Um <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask, this is always the same with podcasts. What do you do to promote the podcast or to market it, to get people to listen to it? And what sort of social channels do you use for it? Yeah, so I think this is the million-dollar question for a lot of independent (laughs) podcasters. Mm. So, yeah, good question there. Um, I mean, I'm not sure I completely have the answer. We do a lot of test and learn. So we do a lot of different things. Some of it sticks, some of it doesn't. Um, It's an area where we are continually trying new stuff, evolving and open to ideas. (laughs) So if anyone actually does have the answer to this question, I mean, I think for us at the Coaching Cast, because we do work in kind of seasons, Actually, each season we look to evolve our marketing and also our episodes as well. So we might have new features um, and that brings in it some new marketing news as well to talk about. We tend to share it mainly. um, We've got an Instagram page, which we talk to our kind of community on and share our new episodes. We do a lot of LinkedIn stuff because Lisa and I are really big on LinkedIn um it's on youtube it's got its own website all the kind of usual places um we you know make sure that all links together as well and that we're kind of bringing it as a complete package from a digital perspective um guests i mean you know guests are an important part of a podcast as Mm -hmm. well we're really um 
we're quite strategic around our guests. That sounds fancier than what I mean <laughs> by that. But Go on, you know, explain. So I think this comes back to the reason of why we do it and kind of like why we do what we do with the coaching cast. Lisa and I are really clear and have no issues with saying, you know, we had a request to, to do an, an episode on menopause in the workplace, for example. Hmm. Well, you know, that's not something that Lisa and I have experienced yet. So we were like, we don't feel credible recording an episode with just Lisa and I talking about that that topic. So we went out and found an expert and a guest to come on who had had an experience, but also is more qualified to talk about it in a real, honest, engaging um, you know, way that would relate to our audience and be able to provide top tips that are more applicable, for example. And that's what I mean by kind of being strategic around the guests that we bring on that goes back into the core of what we do and who we are at the coaching cast is that, you know, we're very clear around the areas we can provide support on and the areas equally we can't. And we don't want to kind of mess around with our listeners and, pre- and pretend that we can when we can't. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we look for guests who can come on and actually they are a great vehicle as well for promotion of the episode and of the coaching cast as well. So they would be my top tips, really, I think, is getting it in all the right places where you would expect it to be, because it's quite obvious, but I think some podcasters still don't quite do that. Um, And setting all of that up, looking about who are the right guests to support you and your skill set and your capabilities, but also like what you want to talk about as well and bringing that into your podcast and getting them to share it with, you know, with their audience as well. And then the final thing I'd say is just giving it a go and doing some like trials, learning from it and maybe adapting and doing stuff again. So we did, for example, like Instagram lives when we first started launching and literally me and Lisa were just talking to ourselves for like the first (laughs) three or four. Like we got no people at all. It's it's tough on Instagram. (laughs) but, you know, we learned from that. But we recently did like a LinkedIn live with one of our guests. And that was, a, you know, that was a real success. It was a topic that was really hot in the workplace right now. It was around neurodiversity in the workplace. And we invited people to come and, you know, um, our listeners. And they got to ask our guests questions. They got to ask Lisa and I questions. So, you know, we could have quite easily said, no, that didn't work before, that live format. Mm. We're not going to do that again. But we changed it slightly we learned our you know learn our lessons from when we did it before so I think just being able to adapt essentially and modify it as you go is is a really critical skill in podcasting and what was it you said you learned your lessons what do you think the lessons you did learn from the Instagram live that didn't work to the LinkedIn live that did yeah, it wasn't the right format for the for the audience you know most people when they're thinking about work, are on LinkedIn. Mm. Some people are thinking about work on Instagram, of course, but the bulk of our audience, it was kind of the wrong format, the wrong platform for for what who we were targeting. So we adapted that and moved it over to LinkedIn. I think as well, we didn't have like the so what for somebody to come and join us in that early on LinkedIn piece clear enough. Like, mm. so what was in it for them? What were they going to learn? We didn't link it to anything. It was more like just come and, just come and meet Lisa and I and just let's just have a chat. Just hang you know? Out. <laughs> let's It'll just be hang cool. out. Bring snacks. Yeah. Actually, do you know what? I don't want to take up 
45 minutes of my evening just going to chat to you and Lisa, however not appealing that may sound. Um, so we learned from that as well. Mm. So we made sure when we did it again, that there was a bit more of a hook, a bit more of a so what for people coming to join us. Um, and I think that, that that access to a guest as well, that specialist in that area really, really worked. Um, mm. And we thought really carefully about who was the right person to collaborate with us on that. And we'd had a great guest on, Nathan, um, in season seven, who is the neurodivergent coach. And he does a lot of work in this area. Um, and we were like, yeah, let's absolutely see if Nathan's up for it. And he was. And it kind of just went from there. Okay. And you said you'd see if Nathan's up for it. And he was. Um I obviously approach guests as well, and there's a couple I've approached that haven't come back with a positive response. How are you finding approaching guests, and how are you identifying them, and how how are you asking them to be on the show? And do yeah. any say, yeah, I'll do it, but I want paying? So, um, interesting question. So, no, actually, haven't no. haven't had that yet. <laughs> I'm going to put this out you, there. You will. You will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, our search for guests has really evolved, actually, and our, I say again, strategy, use that word very loosely. Strategy. Mm. <laughs> our strategy for guests um, has evolved. And, uh, you know, I think the first, certainly seasons one to five, we were more like outreaching to people and experts. Um, and actually, nobody said no. And we've we've had some quite big names on uh, well, I think, you know, are quite big in the world of um, their specialism. Um, and nobody said no, actually. I, I, but we have said no to a couple of people. Really? Yeah. So we kind of qualify them as much as they kind of, I assume, qualify us as mm. well. Um, and it's all about part of it goes back to what I was saying before about Lisa and I it's about actually their chemistry and their energy like so could I see them being comfortable and being real with Lisa and I mm. on like a you know on an intro call we're just kind of meeting and exploring the opportunity if I get the sense that they're not doing that in that kind of intro call where we're not recording then I get a sense of whether they are right for us and actually our listeners as well and there has been a few occasions where we've gone back and said I don't think this is quite right. Um, so it's kind of flipped actually, because now in the in the latter seasons, we're getting more people coming to us to want to appear than we are outreaching at the moment. And that's amazing because one saves me a job, but two <laughs> makes it easier, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the growth. And I think with podcasting, as you'll know, it's a long road, like mm. it's it's you know it's you see like Stephen Bartlett you see the Diary of a CEO you see the big podcasts and he's doing all right you know you think I'd like a bit of that of course you would like a hundred percent you know that that kind of um you know sponsorship and success and you know brand endorsements absolutely but also um is that's not and that's not the reality for independent podcasters, which is what Lisa and I are. Mm. Um, so actually that switch of people coming to us and talking to us about coming on the podcast has been lovely because mm. it's, you know, as we establish and grow the podcast. 
Do you know, I have it on good authority that Stephen Bartlett actually pays his guests. Wow. Apparently he says he doesn't, but I have it on good authority that he does. Mm. But that's just between you and me and anybody who happens to be listening. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so your, your business outside of the podcast, mm. how is that going and how is that affected by the, the marketing and the, and the podcast that you have as well? Yeah, so I'm very... I don't know, either kind of lucky or actually it is intentional because it's, it's strategy, remember? It's strategy. It's absolutely. Strategy. Absolutely. Mm. Um, you know, the coaching cast is called the coaching cast, you know, because Lisa and I are coaches, funnily enough. It, it's, funnily it, enough. It's, it's, it just dovetails. It's perfect. <laughs> so, you know, we both have our own individual coaching businesses. Um, so, my coaching business is for predominantly aimed at those working in high growth companies. So um, that are scale-ups, businesses that have just recently had investment, for example, um, Mm -hmm. and that might be founders, directors, leaders, or individuals who are suddenly finding themselves having been in a certain situation, in certain places, in a certain culture where it's kind of been a bit smaller And all of a sudden now there's a bit of pressure, there's a bit of expectation, things are changing, things are evolving. And I kind of help with that step, essentially. Um, So I work with lots of different people in lots of different sectors, tech, professional services, fashion, manufacturing, Mm. um, and get to meet lots and lots of different people, which I love. Again, you know, going back to the piece around interviewing on the podcast and meeting different people and hearing different stories. I get to do that in my business as well, which is brilliant. So, um, yeah, the podcast really complements, you know, what I do in my day-to-day business Um, and, you know, working in high-growth companies as well has been really, really fascinating, but also leans really nicely on my corporate experience as well um, because I worked in sales. So it's an interesting stage, isn't it, when you're in high growth? Because a lot of people think when you're starting a business, that's difficult. But starting a business is relatively easy. Yeah. Getting a business from one person or five people to expand into 20 to 30, that's when it starts to fall apart. Yeah. Because you can't scale it properly because you scale it in the wrong areas. You end up overstaffed. You end up losing money. It doesn't work. Or you end up getting business in that you can't fulfill. That's the really difficult bit. It is. What are the the main challenges that people come to you with when they're they're at that stage of their business? Yeah, so well, that was a deep question, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, wasn't it? But I'm ready for well, it. Let's go. Right. <laughs> um, so the main kind of challenges they come with. So I think um, coaching coaching individuals, and that might be an individual who's a founder. Hmm. Um, so I've got a, a number of clients who are founders. And their business is now scaling. And that, you know, often their biggest challenge is letting go and mm. stepping out of the doing and the day-to-day and actually releasing some of that control. And they might not want to do that completely. And I help them mm. with thinking about, well, why would you not want to do that? Like, what's holding you back? Because um, <laughs> it's my baby. I don't want to let go of it. <laughs> Um, so that's kind of partly what it is as well. And and I think as well, the other thing that comes up so much, especially for women in high growth companies, 
uh, and I'm seeing more of this is around self-confidence and self-belief. So imposter, kind of impostering thoughts, imposter syndrome. I hate, I don't particularly like that term around the use of the word syndrome. Um, You know, I think women tend to overthink and I put myself in this camp as well, overthink a bit more around perfection and it being right and being to a good kind of quality and standard and stepping out of their comfort zone and thinking they're good enough to step out of their comfort zone just to give it a go. I do a lot of work with founders and individuals working within high growth companies where there's rapid change, where there's spinning of numerous plates, Mm. um, both at home and potentially in work as well. So they're kind of going at the same time supporting them to think about how they manage and deal with all of that and I think you know often a lot of people come to coaching because they want to feel heard in a safe space where there's no Mm. judgment um and I think you know especially if you're a working mom in this sec in these in these types of businesses that's even more prevalent because there's not many there are, but there aren't in the majority other working mums in those environments. So coming to somebody like an external coach who is a working mum, who's got experience in these kind of types of industries and sectors, often it's more about just letting it all out and in a safe space with no judgment before we even start thinking about how you move on and how I support them. Um, so, yeah, that's quite a big thing, I think, that's that's growing at the moment in in that and then I'd say the other kind of piece I help with mainly is around that people side of things. So building a culture, a people-centric culture in that high growth company. Like, where do you start? How do you do that? <laughs> what do you want it to look like? How do you make it happen? Um, and building high, you know, great high-performing teams. How do you actually do that? That sounds great. I'd love that. Because <laughs> then I can step away and do a bit more of the business development and the longer-term strategy. <laughs> you know, how... <laughs> But actually, you know, how do you create a sustainable, high-performing, engaged team and culture where people want to stay and people do want to develop and grow alongside you and and with you? So that's the kind of the other half of what I do as well, which is a bit more organisational team focused. Mm. So to ask your own question, Mm. how do you create a (laughs) high-performing team with a great culture? (laughs) So I always... You started this. It's your fault. You're right. I did. Um, So I think the kind of bare bones of it really is that it's all about collaboration. And that sounds really obvious, but it's often a stage which is often missed. Um, Mm. I was actually talking to somebody, a client, about this yesterday So, you know, they had done all this great thinking, they'd come up with all these great initiatives, these great ideas of what they thought their team, their leadership team and their wider team needed and wanted. Mm. So I actually said to them, have you asked them what the challenges are, like what they're looking for, what they value, what is important to them? Because you've done all this great work, which is fantastic, but is this right? Like, how do we know this is what they want? And they looked at me and they were like, no I haven't and I think that comes back also to a little bit around the founder mentality and I get this because I am in my business you'll probably get this as well you know 
when it's yours and you're at that kitchen table and you're doing everything and you're growing it and building it and developing it and you know it's yours your other baby and you know you think you know all the answers because at that time you probably do uh it's quite hard to let go of that habit Mm. and so when it scales it gets bigger it grows there's a bit more pressure you can quite easily and understandably take that habit with you and that mindset with you and that's what happened in this instance. And actually, by having someone like me who can, who sometimes just goes, wait a sec, let's just pause and let's kind of hold the mirror up a little minute and think about going back to some basics. Like, what do we even know what we're aiming for, what the destination is at this point in terms of what your people would like and your teams would need? Um, then we go and then we can start looking at solutions and ideas and options. And that's when it's the fun part starts. I absolutely can get creative. Um, But that's the kind of the the key thing I found is that that first step often gets missed because we bring in some of those habits from when we were at a kind of a founder stage. Yeah. I mean, it it, it sounds from from what you've described that you, you do a lot more than what typically a business coach would do. Do you describe yourself as a business coach or do you strategy perhaps? <laughs> no. So well I say no. Yeah, I do. I my love is coaching. So, you know, remember I went back to uni at 33, 34, I think I was. Crazy. Um I forget my age now. <laughs> um <laughs> you know, I invested a lot to get that qualification. Um, and that's because I felt so passionately about I love it. I absolutely enjoy working with people one to one. So I market myself as the executive coach for those working in high growth companies, essentially. It's no more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. But I offer services that go beyond that. Absolutely. So I offer, you know, people um, services, which is around consultancy, leadership development, training, um and also some sales services as well so one-to-one mentoring around sales because I obviously have a sales background from my corporate world so yes you're right it is more than just coaching but coaching is really my passion and underpins a lot of my approach and a lot of what I do when I work with businesses and teams and clients is I try to bring in some of those fundamentals as well because you know I really do believe in the power of having a bit more of a coaching culture peppered through what I do and Mm. and how I work, essentially. I I think it would be be remiss of me to ask, because you've mentioned sales a few times and you've mentioned, obviously, that's your your corporate background. Um, We're in our business now. We're currently going through a program with with a sales consultant. So we're putting together a a plan together for that because it's like the one missing piece that we've got Mm -hmm. in our business, a plan that people can stick to as opposed to going off and doing it gung-ho constantly one of the main things you think people need to be doing for sales to do it right or if you prefer what are the things that people typically do wrong with sales Mm. so in my experience i think the the thing that people tend to actually do wrong when they think about sales is that they think about sales yeah okay so let me explain that um it is actually so you say the word sales people just shut down their ears like close off they start feeling a bit like warm and panicked and they think like oh my goodness I've got to go and cold call and ring up somebody you might yes have to do that I don't know like what in the remit we're talking about but actually again stripping it back to the basics 
it's about building a relationship and it's about creating trust it's about finding out what the challenge is the pinch points are for the customer or the person you're client or person you're talking to so that you really understand what it is that they are challenged with or by and actually what's holding them back so it's not about you for a lot of the part of the process it's about understanding what it is they are struggling with and why so that you can then create a plan, a proposal, whatever you want to call it, an email, you know, that's got um, some really, really clear solutions to help them overcome those problems and overcome those challenges. Um, and if you just think of it in quite simple terms in that respect, it's relationship building, finding out what it is that is a challenge for that person and then providing a solution for them. It doesn't feel as scary and as overwhelming. And I think reframing it for a lot of people is often what they miss as well. My other top tip um, around sales is also trying to avoid emailing a proposal with a price on to a potential okay. client. Um, because if you put yourself in their shoes of somebody receiving something what's the first thing you're going to look at the price the price always the price always the price so you know it's really then hard to justify or create that narrative around why you've got to that price because you're not on that you know on that email ideally uh, you know a really good way of doing it is actually getting on a zoom call or on a call and presenting a proposal with the price absolutely in there but demonstrating the value you're bringing the value you're generating how you're going to overcome the solutions so that when you get to the investment piece you know you've hopefully met all of their needs really accurately and if you haven't there's that opportunity for them to say actually this bit's not quite right or this bit's not quite right and it's from the outset a collaborative adult to adult conversation and that then sets it so that when you get to talking about the the investment needed you're you know already doing so in a in a really mature adult to adult way so taking email out of it and doing it through a conversation also is one of the mistakes i think people make when it comes to sales mm. I noticed then you said, um, you didn't say price, you said the investment, mm. the investment needed. Because if you say price, people think, I've got to pay that. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I'm making an investment, mm -hmm. that's in my business or in me, and I'm going to get a return on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Um, and I learned that very early on from somebody, uh, the piece around, <clears throat> you know, um, the investment versus the price and the language we tell ourselves, reframing what sales means and that process from a very um, great friend of mine who I work with a lot, a guy called Anderson Hearst. And, um, you know, he has, he's actually done a like a master's in sales and he's so, so interesting in terms of actually how like the psychology comes into this process and there's some great learnings and some great depth there but also actually just really simply it is just building a relationship like I feel like I'm now undermining all the great stuff that he does but you know it is it is building mm. a relationship and creating engagement and trust with somebody and then overcoming their 
their challenges with a solution that that works for them. Um, so yeah, sales is something that um, a lot of people think, oh, that's like a dirty word. I don't want to go anywhere near it. I'm not very good at it. It makes me feel like, oh, don't like it. Um, but actually things, you know, when you get into it, things have evolved and and mm. kind of uh, moved forward in that space, rightly so. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Everybody approaches sales with the, uh, I'm trying to sell somebody on something, trying to convince them of something they don't want and they don't want it. And nobody likes to get a sales call because the vast majority of people doing it are not very good at it. Yeah. They're horrible experiences. But as you say, if you're building trust with somebody and you're listening to their problems and you're offering them a solution that's going to solve their problem and all they've got to do is make an investment for it, then it's a much easier, well, sale to make. Yeah, definitely. I think if you just go into it with the intention of, you know, I'm just going to build a relationship, I'm going to get to know this person, I'm going to find out what's working for them, what isn't working for them. You know, yes, you might get to a sale absolutely slightly further down the line of the sales process and I get it you know it's a commercial world we've got to make cash I totally get it you mm. know and there's KPIs and, and targets to be met but let's not make it harder than it needs to be by thinking building it up to this big massive kind of thing where suddenly it feels really huge and scary and people just are like no I can't even go anywhere near it or I don't mm. want to go anywhere near it because I don't feel confident and that's where the confidence thing comes in often yeah and of course, a great first step to building relationship with somebody is to have a podcast they can listen to. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Can, can you believe we're, we're out of time? Wow. No, I can't believe it, actually. No, it, I, I thought you were going to say, yeah, if I, th I thought time actually was a good half an hour ago. I can't believe we're still still talking. But <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, we, we, we are, we're out of time. Um, before we go, can I ask for somebody that wants to get in touch with you? whether mm -hmm. that's to work with you within your, your coaching business or your podcast, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, so if anybody would like to reach out for me um, for coaching or training, um, the best way to do that is to look me up on LinkedIn. I am always on LinkedIn. So just type my name, Susie Hunt, into the search bar. I will come up. Um, so that's the best way to get in contact with me, send me a DM. Um, and then in terms of the podcast, it's the coaching cast. Uh, type it into wherever you get your podcasts and you will find us. And how often is the coaching cast out? So we're having a little summer break at the moment, a little podcasting break. Um, and the next season uh, will start in the autumn and then it will be out uh, every week from that point. On. Okay. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks uh, for having as, me. As ever, I've, I've learned loads. I learn loads from these podcasts. It's brilliant. I know. That's the power of guests, isn't it? <laughs> it is the power of guests. Thank you. Thank you.